spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. We don't have all of the time. So so th- this is, the, no, this is what you, I sense. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to uh, it. We'll get to it. Just, just hold on for me. Uh, what I sense is that you, you believe that the system is robust. But uh, mm-hmm. you were just pointing out one of the shortfalls, which perhaps you may not have addressed your mind to. The withdrawal, for instance, of national security personnel at the ports. That decision was taken by the National Security Ministry some months back. It, it tells you that uh, even if the computerized system goes through, you may not have uh, some intermediaries following up and making sure that the, 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 that the declaration is indeed valid. No, you, you, see, the, you see the problem there? Was, apart from the number that was withdrawn, the, the BNIs are there. Now the NIB is there. The UCO, the, uh, the, 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 the NACOP mm-hmm. are there. The custom and custom preventives are but, there. But, but there is and, a problem of intelligence, for instance, missing. So, so once the declaration goes through, you, you, you make us call free. No, hold on. That's why I said from the system... When you send in garbage in garbage out, the custom officer at the CSB is working on what I submit to them. But at the point of taking the cargo out of the port, I'm not telling the process that the cargo has to go through yeah, scan. But, but the national security is key to that. All of the personnel, uh, I mean, have been taken out from from there. So uh, it's a challenge. You you agree? So you have to find out what what went. What was the reason why the national security was was removed from the port? I, I think I, I just want to establish the fact that the system is very robust. Yes, but, but once there's no physical contact, uh, someone sitting behind the computers will not be able to tell, and that's why you need the but, national security. Uh, but anyway, because we no, don't no, have no, time, no, second. Y- yes, yes that's why do that for me. Th- just do that for me. We have to open the container. That's why if the container is at preventive, they can open inside. They can drop the boxes and open. It happens every day. Okay, let's talk about the way forward. Ibrahim Mutala, uh, Mohammed, let me start off with you. I'll give you a minute and a minute to Samson Asakia. We can go so we wrap up. Well, when we, when we brought in the, the, the West Blue, and I remember when the West Blue came, I insisted as a deputy minister in charge of trade that we're not going to work with them until we see what they have been able to do. I led the team to Nigeria because she had done some work in Nigeria. When I led the team to Nigeria, we went to Abuja, we went to Lagos, we interacted with custom officers, freight forwarders, importers, and exporters. And the figures available indicated that with the completion of the work they did in Nigeria, their revenue mobilization quadrupled. So we decided that based on the evidence we had in Nigeria, let's give them the opportunity to do it. And go and check. Between 2016, late part of 2016, when we started the system, up to 2017, the customs and, and, the, and the Ghana Revenue Authority generated a lot of money. But the problem we have today is because this woman, and I'm not interested in what, whether the woman, but the company was forced out. They had to sell the company to Arabs who were brought by assigns of this government. They sold the companies to them. So they could have the opportunity to do the things they are doing. Yes, the system is supposed to be robust. Okay, so, so I'm looking for I'm looking for the solution now. That we can agenda. So, so I'm looking for the solution now, briefly. Well, first and foremost, 
you don't need to have those entities operating. That is national security, BNI, if the system is allowed to work and work mm. effectively. You don't need to have them. Right. Because the reason why the trade facilitation was to get all those people out so that you will not have this delay. All right, then. Uh, Samson Asakia Wingobit, your final thoughts? just want to assure the public listening that we have not no problem so far as STEM is working. I could okay. work at the port. It, in terms of revenue generation, it is custom has been out. In terms of uh, uh, lesser days of clearing the cargo within three to two, four hours or a day, you can clear cargo at the port. And I can tell you that is why the custom has the scanning document images All so right. that after, after some days, custom can even zoom to the company to say, look, what you cleared and said it was fish. The images we had after you gone show that it is it is fish, it, it is chicken, but not fish. And based on that, custom can do a post auditing. And then if there's any shortfall, as you people talk about four point something million garden cities, custom will definitely collect it. Uh, and the jury, obviously, is out there. We'll, we'll, we'll wait to see uh, what the fallout of the Yoko investigations will be, but I'm grateful uh, that uh, Samson Asakia Wingobit, Executive Secretary for the Importers and Exporters Association, Ibrahim Mutala Mohammed, is a member of parliament and also uh, serves on the Public Accounts Committee, also a former uh, Deputy Trades Minister. Next is Ghana Connect. Tell you, some things can be very painful, eh? like hitting your toe against the corner of a table, Hi, pink. or a failed cash transaction because of insufficient funds. But that's where Vodafone Cash Overdraft will help you shop life regardless. Yeah. Vodafone Cash Overdraft is the latest innovation that adds to your Vodafone Cash wallet when your balance is not enough to pay for your Vodafone transactions. Just dial star one one zero hash, select option five to opt in. Now, let's say you won't buy 50 cities monthly data where you get only 30 cities for your Vodafone Cash Wallet. You will get a notification saying you can access additional funds to complete your transaction. You accept the offer. Done. Overdraft. Oh, say yeah. Oh, yeah. A new Vodafone Cash Overdraft service allows you to access additional funds to complete your Vodafone Cash transaction. Be it paying for your broadband subscription, buying airtime, or mobile data, or even sending money. Terms and conditions apply. Vodafone. If seeing is believing, believing is magic. Coca-Cola is bringing FIFA World Cup trophy to Ghana. And you can see it for yourself on the 4th of September at Accra Polo Courts. Experience the joy of the FIFA World Cup trophy first time. Take pictures with the trophy, enjoy amazing music, and win great prizes. Visit coca-cola.com.gh for more information. The FIFA World Cup Trophy Tour 2022 and Coca-Cola Experience. This advert is FDA approved. Okay, taste this. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Sure love, mucho love. It's good to try something new every day. <sighs> 
perennial pillaging of Ghana's resources by officials entrusted with managing state affairs, even when sometimes in their small corners they still steal from the state. The Auditor General's report makes for an interesting reading, one that leaves you wondering if we will ever defeat corruption and put our public financial management in a better position. So tonight, Ghanaians here and abroad connect on the 2021 Auditor General's report and the very key issues therein. You can share your views with us as always on our social media platforms. Together with a guest in studio, we can do this show together. Connect after the break. The other day, I visited Kweku at his spunky new office to congratulate him on opening his business. And man, was I impressed. The business is just moving quick. The sales, customers, everything is just working seamlessly. The secrets, hmm. He said, it's MTN Business Broadband. In this fast-paced environment, we need fast and reliable internet to support all business types. No laggy online meetings, great download and upload speeds, impeccable business management systems, all-inclusive. I mean, you can have it all. I signed on immediately. (laughs) To enable your business stay ahead and stay connected, make sure you're signed on to the best internet made just for businesses. MTN Business Broadband. Sign up today on broadband.mtn.com.ga and manage your account on my MTN app. Call 0244-308-111 for more information. MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 14 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase KNUST Campus, UC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764101 Businesses know how important it is to create a productive and supportive working environment by investing in employees' health. With a leading international track record, Apex Health Insurance is licensed to provide medical insurance services to corporate organizations and SMEs. We also have international LH Blue Cover and TPAs to cushion you. Multinational companies, factories, and government agencies focus on your business while Apex Insurance takes care of your health. Visit Apex Health Insurance office at Zion House, 
Boundary Road, Shiashi, Kumase, Opposite Premper College, Sofo Line, and Takradi Market Circle. For further inquiries, call 0501-562-962 or 0501-552-495. Apex Health, your preferred health insurer. Allianz, insurance since 1890. At Allianz Life Ghana, we have a wide range of life insurance packages to suit all pockets from individuals, groups, associations, and businesses. We cover your employees, your funerals, pensions, children's education, and your future. Call us on 0302-267-892 or visit our website www.allianz-gh.com for more inquiries. Allianz Life. We secure your future. Gonna pay a landing. Hey, finally. Gonna pay a landing. Do more your way on Gonna Pay. Send and receive money at zero transaction fees. Pay bills, buy airtime and data, transfer money in and out of your bank accounts, and so much more with Gonna Pay. Dial star 707 hash to register for Gonna Pay or download the Gonna Pay app from the Play Store or App Store. Gonna Pay, your money, your way. This service is powered by gifts. If seeing is believing, believing is magic. Coca-Cola is bringing FIFA World Cup trophy to Ghana. And you can see it for yourself on the 4th of September at Accra Polo Points. Experience the joy of the FIFA World Cup trophy first time. Take pictures with the trophy, enjoy amazing music, and win great prizes. Visit coca-cola.com.gh for more information. The FIFA World Cup trophy tour 2022 and Coca-Cola experience. This advert is FDA approved. Welcome back to Ghana Connect. So, my name is Kweku Asante, and rage, surprise, and utter shock. These are some of the reactions that have greeted the latest Auditor General report on the public accounts of Ghana for 2021. Joy News has, in fact, found countless remarks in these voluminous documents to conclude that financial irregularities and other corrupt practices are weighing very heavily on state cafes like never before. You can go to myjoyonline.com for more details. So connecting with us, Julius Kwame Anthony is former General Secretary of Nukes. He's a youth activist. Julius. Good evening, Kweku. Well, so we will be getting some perspective from Julius as well. Ni Ayi Opare is spokesperson for the Economic Fighters League. He joins us on Zoom. Ni Ayi Yes, greetings, my brother. Right. So, Nia, you're joining us. Joshua Ope will join us later. Abna Echa is an activist. She's joining us on Zoom. Abna? Hi, good evening. Well, Abna, it's good to have you again on Ghana Connect. Samuel Akpabli is a medical laboratory scientist. Samuel? Good evening, Greg. Right. So, I, I, I should have known someone from Legon. Apparently, I didn't. So, I'll be... I'll be learning more from Samuel today. And finally, Franklin Kujo is the founding president of Imani Africa. He will be joining us. So let's zoom right into the conversation. Let me start right here in the studio where, Julius, have, have you had a bite of 
the latest report from the Auditor General and what are your initial thoughts on the kind of information they're in? I, I, I think it's terrible, Kweku. We are running a, a country where the people who have been given the privilege of serving this country, some have been given privileged positions with privileged, you know, um, 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 uh, what do you call it, salaries and conditions and all that attached to it. Yet they are involved in, 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 in this whole scheme of reaping of the country. I, I was very disgusted when I found out that members of the judiciary who retire on their salary, high-ranking members of the judiciary, were involved in purchasing of state vehicles that are worth 100,000 cities, some for 7K, some for 10K. I mean, what are we doing to this country? We are creating a situation where these um, 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 sale of state vehicles that we do should go to people who are even less privileged than these people. But you know that, and 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 for and for and for better prices even. Mm. But these are the people who are taking these things for themselves. But the, the, pos- the position is that it's, uh, it's these are policies that have been there for a long time. If we don't want it, we but, change but, it. Instead but, of crying horse every time the auditor general report but, comes but, out. But even in the immediate instance, let's even assume that the, 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 is the policies that are failing. Mm. They didn't even go according to laid down procedures. If if not, they wouldn't be in the auditor general's report. And for me, it's not even about the legal basis. It's, it's the moral basis for me. Why do we want to create a society where extremely poor people are close to extremely rich people? Why do we have a situation where justices of the Supreme, Superior Court get state vehicles for peanuts upon all the monies they get, upon all the privileges they have? They, they drive these state vehicles for free. We foil it for them for free. They have bungalows for free. They are going to retire on salaries. Mm. This is privileges that not, not not every Ghanaian will be able to get. Right. Julo, so I'll come back to you so that we can go in, in into the details. Right. They're receiving this aspect of this report having to do with accreditation of public universities. Probably your degree might even be questionable. But but I'll, I'll come. list of the problems. Right. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, I'll come to you and take some perspectives on that. Let me go to Niai Opari, spokesperson for the Economic Fighters League. Like what are your initial thoughts on this. Do you agree with this position taken by Julius that listen, this car buying and other things is something that we should completely put a stop to? Um, yeah, so greetings to your, your viewers and your listeners out there. Um, to Julius in the studio yourself and everyone out there. But um, it's not surprising in that if, if you can cast your, back, your mind back to previous interviews we've had, sometimes even on this show, I have made references to um, the previous Auditor General's report. Um, particularly the 2020 um, report. Um, with all of the things that has been mentioned, um, the the sale of government vehicles, the accreditation of the investor and all of these, the interesting thing about the whole report is that individual names have been mentioned in the report. And surprising how year in, year out, this report comes out, but nothing is done um, with regards to punitive actions to prevent people from you know, being emboldened to continue these acts of corruption and theft. It's, it's, it's interesting if you look at um, the total number or the total amount of money that was stolen. And I, I don't mince my words at all. If you have monies that cannot be accounted for in government expenditure. But, I mean, but, but are irregularities stolen monies? Maybe someone might have expended money the legal way, but might not have put the paper, the documents right in a, in a certain I, position. That's an irregularity, not necessarily I, glad, corruption or I, stolen money. 
No, no, I, I stand by my word. And um, let me just make reference to the Auditor General's report. Uh, I'll read um, just a few lines to make to make you understand what I mean. That is not when they when they say irregularities. For instance, if you look at um, page five of the 2020 uh, Auditor General report, it says cash irregularities, and I read point nine: cash irregularities related to the misapplication of funds, non-retirement of impressed payments not authenticated. Payment of board allowances to council members without ministerial approval, cash locked up in non-performing investments. Now, if you look in there, it tells you that people were made some payments which were not authenticated, which didn't come out with a ministerial approval. What would you call that? That is one-term theft. Those monies were stolen. So I don't mean my words at all. And we can go. There's, there's more things they list in there, apart from the cash regularities. You can look at some places um, when it talks about tax irregularities where taxes that were supposed to be um, um, collected were not. If you look at the payroll irregularity, it says these lapses were caused by the failure of management to exercise due diligence and the laxity of officers in charge of payroll validation in reviewing payment vouchers to ensure salaries are paid to only those who are entitled, as well as payroll-related irregularities. Right. So it's just grammar we use in there when we say irregularities, but we know exactly what that means. It means money's have been stolen. Right. So, I'll, I'll come back. I'll come back to you. But I'm interested in knowing what exactly Abna Icha also thinks. Abna Icha is joining us on Zoom for all for for this conversation. Abna, what do you make of what we've heard so far since this report was published by the Auditor General? Okay. Thank you, and good evening. Personally, I think that the reports, like other reports, shows us how much impropriety is going on with our governmental structures in the sense that one there are laid down procedures to follow in terms of accreditation in terms of obtaining taxes in terms of payment there's procedure for everything but all of these processes go unaccounted for and so it raises questions about one what what are the people in position doing to ensure that these practices are corrected because this is not the first time that we have had such incidents but day in day out the numbers keep increasing there's more likelihood of these particular irregularities or corruption or however you want to define it the question then is how best are we attempting to resolve these positions how best are we attempting to resolve these issues that is the first thing for me but i think secondly it also shows that even within our structures most individuals don't know the proper financial management practices because in things like reconciliations things like um, have documentation financial reports and etc are things that we continuously need to remind those within these governmental structures to put premium on so for me I think that not only are these practices bad and the fact that they are repetitive are just untenable, but we also need to ensure that people within these practices, within these sectors are, are sensitized of the importance of proper financial management. That is my opinion. Right, now thanks. Um, I probably, you, 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 you've, you've read these reports. These are reports that keep publishing every year. This one is in arrears. This is for 2021. And these issues keep repeating. They, they, it's not even the first time 
that we are hearing of some of the things that are in. Indeed, if you look at the report, and let me just give some highlights. The total financial irregularities reported this year is 17.4 billion cities. Uh, that is 4.6 billion increase from the last year, with much of it related to credit and power sales. The COVID-19 National Trust Fund, for instance, is cited for failing to account for an amount of 254,000 cities spent on the procurement of personal protective um, uh, equipment. We also know that 19 official vehicles were auctioned by the judicial service for a little over 1 million cities. And it's interesting, you look at the number, the, the vehicles and the amounts they were bought for, Toyota Land Cruises. About six of them were sold for 448,000 cities. Toyota Avalon Saloon Car, three of them sold for 117 cities. Toyota Corolla, four of them sold for 37,000 cities. Toyota Fortuners, one of them sold for 92,000. Another uh, four Toyota Fortuna SUV sold for 314,000. And uh, Toyota Avensis sold for 13,000 cities. The report also said that government is yet to settle public sector workers' contribution to SNETs amounting to about 3. Uh, 4.3 billion cities. Cocoa Board owing about 2.25 billion cities. Public universities, University of Ghana and KNUST running over 600 courses without um, accreditation. I probably, you look at this, you think we really will be able to deal with these issues in our lifetime? Uh, thank you very much. Good evening and good evening to your cherished listeners. For me, reading through this uh, report, I was completely confused and I was disappointed in how our governance structure uh, fails the very people that they are representing. And me, as a student, I was completely disappointed in our various tertiary institutions that were cited to be running unaccredited uh, programs. For example, in KNUST like this, 360 out of 360 programs that are being run, 61 is the only accredited, with the remaining left to be accredited or reaccredited. And it casts doubt on the, the, the kind of graduates that we are churning out, the standard or the negligence of the administration in the various tertiary institutions. When it comes down to University of Ghana like this, uh, a lot of postgraduate programs, PAD to the tune of, if I'm not mistaken, 61, are not accredited or pending accreditation. So it, 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 it speaks to the fact that at the end of the day, what value are we giving to the students that are being uh, graduating from these institutions? And for me, that is my priority concern. Julius, so you heard there from Akpabli raising serious concerns about this pr problem. Yeah. Before you ended your first submission, I, 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 I told you about this uh, phenomenon in public university. You said these are the least of the issues in order to... These are very serious issues. It's, it's a very serious issue, but then the, the issue of accreditation, for example... Students, uh, courses that have not been accredited, it could be done retroactively and the students don't have much of a problem. But we are talking about situations where accountants at Buipe are forging signatories of the health superintendents and taking monies in hundreds of thousands out of state accounts. And people's names have been mentioned in this Auditor General's report. And I've not yet heard any headline that he has been picked up and he's been prosecuted. I should be concerned about this sort of thing more about problems that can be solved. And what, what are we doing to this country where people feel that they can have the effrontery to pick monies out of state funds and go scot-free? Why is it that the headlines are not about that person being arrested by now? Why are we not having that situation? But that is a poor so civil servant somewhere. There are those who raise concern, and I'm not by any stretch of the word mm -hmm. downplaying that, the effect of that corruption. 
the people are out there looking at grand corruption being perpetrated by political class people and they say well no one is dealing with those people. So those guys are down there, if you're like, well, we can do the same thing. You know, when we are addressing this issue about politicians stealing and all, there's an aspect of it that we leave out all the time. These politicians come and go. Some of them, four years. Some of them are even reshuffled before the four years end. Do you know the people who help them steal the most? These same civil servants they are mentioning, they call themselves permanent government. And they are, they are, they are more of a syndicate. Those of them who are into the, the business of stealing from the state. It's a syndicate they have formed... And they aid politicians to perpetrate these acts. And it's, it's, it's public knowledge. It's something we pretend we don't know. So it's not only the politicians. These people are part. And people who perpetrate these things should go to jail. Why are we handling these issues? And we, we call them nice names like misappropriation. Irregularities. We call them, we call them uh, whatever. It's stealing. Kweku, they are stealing. They are thieves. We should arrest them. We should jail them. That's what we should be doing. The accreditation issue, yes, is bad. It shows some level of, you know, negligence on the part of the investors and all. But... These are things that could be corrected. Mm. How about our monies that are being stolen and nobody's talking about them? And we call them names that, 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 that make them so decorated. And someone feels that, okay, if I also go and do this thing, it will just say, oh, uh, 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 these amounts of monies have been misappropriated. These amounts of money have been lost to corruption and all. And they, they get to keep these monies. The judges, the judges, they should release the cars. Why should we go to these people? The specific, the specific issues with the judges. Mm-hmm. What the auditor general says is that those cars were auctioned without, without the approval of the finance ministry. That, yes. Indeed, he has not spoken about the cost and whether it was right or not. But how are these judges expected to know all this? Of course, the auditor the general... are not supposed to know that they Ju- can't buy Julius. a 100k car for 10k. No, 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 Julius, Julius, Julius. Julius, Julius, the specific, the specific issue in the auditor general's report has nothing to do with the cost. You can raise that issue. That, that, but what the auditor general... Julius, one, Julius, one moment. Where the auditor general giving approval, yes. that is on the side of the law. Yes. But in public service, mm. issue of law, what is legal? Mm. If people obey only what 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 the law says, mm. then they are they, they may be morally corrupt as well. It may be because they are simply afraid. But in the dispensation of justice, but this is this is this is something that we have established in the state that official vehicles when they are used for some time can be auctioned can be auctioned to the the same person that used it and they are going to retirement and they are giving to them at a certain amount. When a justice of the superior court cannot, in dealing with himself and the state, realize that this amount that is being quoted for a vehicle that has probably been used for three years, four years, is unfair. How would that judge be able in situations of financial misappropriation and lack of value for the, dis- uh, I mean, the dispensation of, 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 of our economic, I mean, powers mm. of the government? How would that judge have the moral right to be able to determine those cases? When, mm. in, 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 when in dealing with himself and the state, he buys 100,000 worth of car for 7K, for 10K, for 11K and all these things. Kweku, these are things we should be talking about, not only what the law says. And even what the law says, did they obey? They didn't even obey that one. But... So, we should be talking about the moral issues in these issues as well. Mm. Judges should not get away with these things. They should return the cars. Seriously. They should return the cars. And do you know what I like about this particular Auditor General's report? Their names have been mentioned. Mm. We know them. They should return the cars. They should come to the public and tell us that they feel that they made mistakes and they are now returning these cars to the states. They should right. return them. Right. Let me, let me come to you, Nia Yopari, on this specific score of these um, vehicles regarding the justices. There are those who say that we are simply hanging out the judges to dry because... The judges, as have been mentioned in this report, they don't do anything wrong as established by the Auditor General. 
what they did were to buy vehicles that were auctioned to them, official vehicles they used, which have been auctioned to them. It is a certain civil servant that should have done the work by going to the finance ministers to seek approval. Do you, do you share with this view that Gilo says that these vehicles must be returned and the amounts that they've, they've quoted for so far? I share Julius's sentiments, but as to returning the cars, I don't really agree with that fully. Now, um, what should be done is, it's, it's as if you're saying someone has stolen some monies. We know this person has stolen this money. You're saying, oh, just return the monies and then everything is done. What happened to justice? The, the justices must be sacked completely from their jobs because they've shown ineptitude, they've shown incompetence of the highest order. Now, as a judge, if you are going to engage in any transaction whatsoever, it is your responsibility to do your due diligence. So you should even be aware of the laws regarding the transfer of ownership of such cars from the government to private individuals after service or whatever it is. They don't, ignorance of the law is not an excuse. And they being high judges as they are, are supposed to know the law better. So there's no excuse where you can say they should just admit they've made a mistake and they should bring the cars back. Hell no. They should resign from that and they should be prosecuted. There should be investigations launched into this and they should be prosecuted. But you see, let us not kid ourselves. The reason ever ever since December 1993, the Auditor General has released a report every single year consistently. We shouldn't act as if today is the first time this thing is happening. No. And the reason why there's not going to be any punitive action or any prosecution against the, the players of these thefts is because of the indemnity clauses in our constitution. The 1992 constitution harbors and breeds crooks and thieves. Yeah. And this is the effect of such, such, such a document. Yeah. That is why so find your out, group is asking for a new constitution? Exactly. So you see, we can make a list of all the problems that we are facing in Ghana today. And I can take my time and trace it back to its origins, which is in the 1992 Constitution, because that document has indemnified corrupt thieves. The point about the Constitution and the laws are that the laws can never be perfect. It has to do with the human beings who are in charge of implementing the laws. And so if you have human beings who intend to interpret the law in a way that favor corrupt ways, you can never necessarily pin that on the law. And that is, that is the inefficiencies of our 92 Constitution as it stands. I'll give you a typical example. Now, if you indemnify criminals and say certain people cannot be touched by the law, that is indemnifying criminals, criminality. That is, you're endorsing criminality. Mm-hmm. So, you see, if you look at the document as it stands, now, mind you, in 2010, um, yes, if my memory serves me right, either 2010 or 2012, the late President Mills um, um, commissioned the con- a committee to review the Constitution. Mind you, the reports they brought out was over 800 pages. Now, I wish we could have time to discuss the, the details of that report, but it goes to show the in, inefficiencies of our 1992 constitution. But you see, one of the interesting things is that as soon as one part of that document is changed, which is the indemnity clauses, Professor Fiajo, who was the chairman of the committee, says that as soon as we remove just the indemnity clauses, every government that has come in Ghana after the 24th of February 1966 Till the current one we have today, all of them have been illegal. And that is why nobody, none of them has the moral courage to address the 1992 Constitution and even consider the possibility of changing it. 
because they know each and every one of them would be deemed illegal. Mm. And of course, if you are illegal, that means we have to open investigations into it. And the next thing that will follow will be prosecutions. Right. And trust me, if we are going to go down that line, I don't see any single politician in this country who has served ever since the 24th of February 1966 who can escape jail. Right. So, 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 Nia, Nia, you hold it there for me. This is a good time to bring in a child. A child is a student of the law. A child, Nia, he makes the point, and Julius seem to agree. That there are substantial defects with the constitution and other laws that we have in the country, which are enabling these acts that we continually see in the Auditor General's report. That is on the first score. The second score is also to say that if judges bought a car for which a certain public servant, a certain civil servant, did not seek certain approval from the finance ministry, as required by the Public Financial Management Act, then the judges must either, be, must either resign or be sacked. These, these two perspectives, what, where do you stand on that? Okay, I'll start with the issue about the car sale. So I think that there's complicity on both ends. So in respect of the judges in Ghana, it's um, as part of what is defined as dishonestly receiving is when you receive an item or you purchase an item at a price which is ridiculously low or a price that any objective person will not believe to be the true price unless obtained through criminal means. So that is not that the laws do not exist. There are actually laws that exist to govern these type of transactions um, in our criminal code. So there's that one bit about, you know, the obligation on the judges as purchasers of these cars to also, um, you know, in a manner that judiciously shows that they are um, respecting these laws. But then we shouldn't also forget the crime of individuals who engage in these sales, you know, through the wrong means, in the sense that there are laid out procedure in terms of seeking um, various permissions, seeking various auditings and compliance, which were neglected. These are conversations that need to be had. But then, like I said, the laws exist. There's always a way to bring someone under the legal structure that we have without waiting to risk, um, you know, change the laws or waiting to amend certain provisions the legal schemes exist in the case of these judges for instance how, how do you even the, deal with them you take judges you know before their colleagues and and they are in, in they are a circle of people within the same no, service see, and they are the ones purchasing how, toyota land cruisers for fifty-seven thousand. No, but, but, but we cannot say I that mean, how do you go to these same people demanding justice from them. This is a system that no, is so morally corrupt. How. We need to rule them all out. See, is trying to provide some explanation. Abla. Yes. So, in respect of removal of judges, there is a laydown procedure in the Constitution on how to remove judges. And depending on the rank, it's usually initiated by the president, acting in consultation with Council of State, etc. So, and then they form a committee to look at whether there's a prima facie case against the judge. So there's all these procedures that exist. It's not to say that, you know, there's no laws that exist or they have to go before a court or before the judges. Because of the higher um, rank they have in society and the, le- like the level of trust the Constitution places on them as officers of the law, that laydown procedure is what we need to attack. How how do we ensure that the persons in charge of, you know, 
establish, like setting up a committee to even look into these matters to ensure that indeed a prima facie case has been made or like a case has been made against these judges because it's not enough. Like it, it, it's good evidence that, you know, this is the purchase and this is what the auditor says. But that is not enough, in my opinion, to like, you know, to establish that case. You need to investigate the matter. You need to hear both sides. Maybe there were genuine, um, you know, steps taken by these justices to ensure that the appropriate thing was done, but it just wasn't done. I think that these are behind-the-scenes conversations, and therefore, you know, rushing to make these assumptions on their part is one that is wrong. Like I said, the legal regimes exist, but it's about the people in charge or the people who have been entrusted to ensure that these procedures are followed with i think those are the people we need to attack and not necessarily you know the judges because once we attack those who are custodians of the procedure for removal of judges or investigations etc then you achieve the justice that you want but if we say okay well because judges will be put before judges i don't think that that is an excuse to not you know set the motion in terms of seeking accountability Julius, she, she's right she I, I i think i agree with her to some extent that um, we should set the motion but in the case of even determining prima facie cases and all who do we go to you know to 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 ask that they they, they put up these committees and all she rightly indicated that the president is involved finance ministry was you know mentioned in the report that they paid salaries to some people they were not supposed to pay to. And they said they retrieved the amount of money. Is they, they, they didn't retrieve all the money. Yesterday, I saw the tweet from the deputy finance minister. They didn't retrieve all the money. They retrieved part of the money. Yes, so it and, shows and, and, you that they are in the process of trying to retrieve all the money. Th- that's fine. But how was it that they were paying? So should it end there, you say? Good. It shouldn't end there. And why has the president, who is responsible for appointing the finance minister and all the others, not said anything about this sort of thing already. How do we trust this same president to go ahead and now set up committees to appoint, uh, 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 I mean, to, to, to investigate judges and all these things? Okay. The processes are rigged. The rules are stacked. Like, we are in a system where, see, these people who are in charge, it, 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 it is not a circle, protect me, let me protect you kind of situation. And exactly. and, and, and um, the, the gentleman who spoke earlier, I think, as Nii rightly indicated, there are problems that are very endemic to the very constitution. The, the system is such that once you are in that circle, it's, it's, it's an effort to shield the other person so that the other person also shields you. That is the danger we are in. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better. But you see, here's the thing they need to note. As I indicated earlier, you cannot create a society that impoverishes everybody and then you are extremely rich. You are not safe if you create that kind of society. Extremely poor people, very close to extremely rich people. You are not safe. Your own security is not intact. There will be a time you may have to run away. And do you know the funny thing about this particular republic, the Fourth Republic? We have become so, should I say, relaxed with, with, with the thought that nothing can happen. The, the people have come to accept the fact that we can keep stealing. Let's not call it corruption. Let's not call it misappropriation or whatever. Stealing, we have yes, come to yes. think that the people have accepted that we can keep stealing and be stealing and be raping them. And they won't do anything about it. But the truth of the matter is that it cannot be like that forever. If they want to keep benefiting from this republic, and they are the biggest beneficiaries of this republic. These are judges who retire on fat salaries, don't pay anything for anything they use. They are the biggest beneficiaries. 
if they want to keep benefiting from this system that way, they have to ensure that the people trust them. They have to ensure that the people trust their morality. That is why beyond the issue of laws, beyond the issue of what the letter of the law says, who gives approval and all, there is a moral question on the justice of the Supreme Court to ask himself that why am I buying a Corolla for 7,000 cities? That's the moral question he should ask himself. That if that Corolla vehicle was being used by a, a private person for four years, would the person sell it to me for 7,000 cities? That moral question should be asked. And we create a situation where people's vehicles are stuck at the port over there for not paying duties and all manner of flimsy reasons. Then we sell them to well-to-do people. Why are we doing this to this country? Why are we doing this? Jules, so if we don't ask ourselves this moral question... Jules, Nia, you wants to back up sure, a point you made. Sure. Uh, I, 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 want, I want to take some of the words out of your mouth. Um, I, I want to just touch on something um, um, our, our, our dear lady said, Akosia, I believe, or Abena. Abena Icha. Yes, but, yes, but she, she says um, the, the document from the Auditor General is not enough evidence against the judges. I disagree with you completely on that. Um, you being a lawyer, I'm sure you're very familiar with um, court proceedings, and you know very well. Uh, for instance, is um, the the, re- the recent um, election petition we had. Hard evidence was brought in through an audit service because what an audit service is is to do very thorough investigation to bring out some of these things. But but so the audit audit reports are not final. Audit reports no, can be contested. No, I'm is, I said no. My words were that they were. There were valid evidence against the judges. These are enough evidence you can use to start a case of an open an investigation against these judges. But what the reports what the reports has said so far has nothing to do with a judge. It has not implicated the judges in any way. It also it only said that no, no, the no, judicial no, service no, did no, not no, seek no. approval from the finance ministry pursuant yes, so, to the Public Financial Management Act to dispose of these vehicles. So so that implicates the judges because if you're a judge and you're buying something that has not been that, that's not been cleared. You don't have authority to it's, sell. It's almost like buying a stolen good. That is the fact. Exactly. Something that criminal. the person does not have authority to sell to you, and he's selling you it to you. It's like buying a stolen good. They're all guilty. And it's I'm like saying, see, stolen good. this is evidence against them, which can be, which is grounds enough for, for an investigation to be opened against the judges. Because if certain procedures would have to have been followed, and they were not done, and you acquired whatever property it is, it means the property was acquired illegally. And that calls for, for some investigation. And I'm saying that for any investigation to go on against any of these judges, they will have to step aside from their roles as judges. And that is already an indictment on their credibility as defenders of the law. Well, a lot of, a lot of these judges that have been cited, most of them, I, I, I can't say for all of them, and most of them are retired. Justice Lebadegbe is retired. Justice Apau is retired. A number of them in that, Justice Julius Ansan is retired. So a number of them, a number, a number of them are, are, and that is actually the recommendation of the Auditor General that because approval were not sought to dispose of these vehicles, the vehicles should be retained. We'll, we'll follow up as join you to, to see some of these, if some of these recommendations by the Auditor General are followed. By some of you, you've been silent for a while. What, what do you make of these hard conversations about these specific acts by by, by, by the judges who bought these cars. Okay, for me, I agree perfectly with Julius uh, because l- l- let's, see, l- let's situate it in this uh, context. Imagine that Julius was the one who engaged in this activity and he's being prosecuted at the court of these judges. Mm. How does that judge have the moral authority to prosecute Julius? 
So it, it, it's, it's, it's a plain fact that these judges must be prosecuted, or if not, the vehicles must be returned to the state. So, so we, we, we've, we've stayed here for a while. I want to do other conversation right here in this Auditor General's report. And because I have a lot of young people here, a lot of people who just left school, I want to zoom into public universities, for instance. There were some of these findings that are very critical to the very integrity of public education, public university education in the country. That topmost universities in Ghana, University of Ghana, Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, without a doubt two of the leading public universities in the country were running programs, some of which were completely non-accredited, others which accreditation had expired since 2013, and they had not renewed them. I have Ope, Ope Joshua. He is the current General Secretary of the National Union of Ghana Students. I want to start from you. In terms of accountability, where should they start from? Ope, unmute and then share your views with us. Hello, Ope. All right, so um, a very good evening to all your listeners. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, <laughs> I think the conversation about our public universities and uh, the various things that have come out from this um, report um, is very, it's very sad, to say the least. I mean, uh, considering the fact that uh, we hold our institutions in high esteem, Hello, P. Hello, Pebu, can you hear me? Yes, yes. Okay, so, I, I mean, we, we hold our institutions in high esteem, and for the fact that we don't just hold them in high esteem for uh, just because of how they are the beautiful nature of the campuses, but because of how we, we believe that those are places for, uh, that those are institutions that are supposed to be morally upright, etc., because they are churning out the next crop of leaders. So, when, when you you are able to see that. I mean, I could go to a school four years or someone has gone to a school four years, read a course that's not accredited. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's very interesting uh, in, in the first instance, but when you really look at it critically, you realize that <laughs> it is rather sad because uh, this is the fact that accreditation is about um, performance reviews. It's about checking to ensure that courses are in sync with global trends. So when we are making a lot of cases about unemployment and all those things. It means that these are the root causes. So it means that our investors are being agents for all these things that we are seeing out there. And it's very sad. And it's an issue that I believe must be effectively tackled. I think that our institutions themselves must come out themselves boldly to really be, uh, be, um, stick to it and make sure that they take their responsibility for it. I've seen a lot of them trying to uh, put their responsibility or whatever on someone else and bureaucratic processes, etc. I mean, internally, our institutions are bureaucratic in themselves, but then it doesn't force students or whoever from uh, trying to make sure that they're able to meet the standards. So if our institutions are not meeting the required standards, then that's a big deal. And I believe that hmm. they must really be put to book whoever was supposed to do something that they didn't do. I believe that this is an opportunity for us to call them out and make sure that they do the right things because it's very worrying for them to uh, take such a part and mm. <laughs> I mean for, for us we don't want to really hammer so much on it because as much as it affects our institutions it means that our certificates out there a lot of certificates out there are not accredited right so um, um, uh, Mia you, do you think this case has been dealt with the kind of agency it requires that these two top public universities were running programs some of which 
had completely expired since 2013 thereabouts and the kind of image it portends about university education in the country all right um so my my issue has even before this report came out uh, with this damning statistics um my issue with the universities is that since the 1950s that most of the the national um universities were established you realize that the same material that they've been studying since the 50s is the very same material you go and find in the lecture halls today or in their curriculum today now by normal inference you realize that a university is supposed to produce new knowledge right so information or knowledge is is updated or is built upon through research and a new information that comes into into being into existence so it's not right for you to go to the university today and go to the same university next year and find the very same materials being being taught. I mean, there should be some progress. So I've already had this issue with uh, tertiary um, institutions for a very long time, and it's, it's it's not surprising. We are we come from a culture of past questions. So you realize that you can go for past questions that were from 20, 30 years ago, and you find those questions still relevant today. That shows you how archaic and uh, unupdated our, our, our curriculum is. It's not surprising that it becomes very difficult for people who are trained in now our national or local universities for them to compete in the national scene. Because, like I'm saying, most of the knowledge that we are imparting to our, our youth are obsolete. I mean, they're not competitive globally. But then again, you see, in all of the conversation, one of the major observations I have made is that there's no leadership. In any, in any structure or any sector you're looking at, there's no leadership. One of the recommendations that, our, that my fellow panelists have been, have been putting out there is that we need to ensure that these things don't happen. We need to make sure that those who are in, in, in charge are held responsible. We are supposed to do. But the question is, who is going to do that? There's no leadership. So those we've entrusted with the reins of government administration to handle this economy, which includes all of these sectors, are not up to the task. So here we are, youth like us, having a conversation on a national platform like this. We are suggesting without naming names. We are saying we, people who are in charge of this should handle this or should do this to make sure this doesn't happen again. This clearly shows that there's no leadership. So we don't even have individuals we can go right to their doorsteps and hold accountable and, and say, look, you messed up and you must be accountable or be held responsible for these actions or inactions. So it then comes down to leadership. And this is where I say it's about time that we as youth stop the talk. Enough of the talk is time for action. If we've entrusted this government institution's or institution of government into the hands of certain individuals for the past 30 years, which is nearly one generation, and there's nothing to show for it. But today we are dealing with such a huge national disgrace in the educational sector, and nobody is being fingered, nobody can take responsibility for these actions, then it means we really have a serious issue with leadership. Right, right, right. And and, and, and it's very important. These questions have been raised. Indeed, we spoke to the head of the Ghana Tertiary Education Commission, who explained that the blame game should stop, the university should not seek to blame them. HR, have you checked if your own own program that you did uh, at KN University is, is accredited? <laughs> I, I, I believe so. Yeah. I believe it was accredited at the time I completed the school. Right, indeed. I, I'd, be, I'd been checking the list to see if I could see LLBK University, but I, I didn't find that in. So what, what do you make of the development? Yes, um, I think I agree with the conversations being had so far. But what I would want to 
add to the discussion is the issue about the technical universities. Because you notice that of all the perpetrators, they had the highest numbers from um, Kumasi Technical University, Accra Technical, all the technical universities. And I think that in um, the idea behind changing them from just polytechnics to degree issuing institutions was to, you know, was a realization of the need for more vocational skills and, you know, its importance in our economic development because, you know, these skills, practical skills, hands-on skills are things that usually you don't have in the traditional universities. But to hear that they are the ones, you know, leading this particular issue in terms of non-accreditation, it then raises questions as to the quality of technical training that they are providing to students there. We are, we are talking about issues of like scientific experiments. We are talking about issues of field work, etc. Like if you are not accredited, it means we don't know the quality of what you are doing. And for me, I think that looking at the shifts we had previously and having them leading these particular like issues of non-accreditation that is that was the biggest disappointment for me and i think that it's 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 something we need to wake up from right very 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 interesting thoughts there from from all all our our connectors and we'll be taking your views on, on social media shortly put together a poll on Twitter on the Joy News page both on Twitter and on Facebook as well Will Ghana ever win the fight against corruption? The premise was this latest report from the Auditor General. Three options. Yes no and I don't care anymore We've had a lot of your votes trickling in at the moment 14% says they really believe that Ghana will win the fight against corruption. 60% say no. And then 26% say they don't care anymore. This is on the Joy News page on Twitter. Let me check the Joy FM page as well, where the poll has been running. It's similar numbers. We have 14% saying yes. Um, 57% saying no, we can't win. And then about 29% saying that we can actually win so let me let me let's take some views that you've been sharing with us this one is from um barbara redu okay we'll, we'll check we'll check this this messages and 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 go back to the concerns that you have been sharing with us this one said good evening my senior brother and to your panelists if the judges that are supposed to know the law more than you and I can behave in such a manner, then there is a problem. This is from Kutuka Courage inside Alog- Alogan Lashibi in the Volta region. This one is from Lovelace Nanayao at Magna Terrace Estate Community 25. It says, we are, not just a, we are just not a serious country. And for this government, the least we talked about them, the better. God is watching all of us. There are a lot of views from Facebook also. But because we don't have a lot, a lot of time, I just want to... Zoom in to our studio guests and my guests on, on, on Zoom and get their final views on how we can finally do something about these perennial reports from the Auditor General that keeps reporting the same thing but without change. Julius, how do we end this? See, I, I, I think it's enough that people took this fight 
um, upon themselves. If, if, if the public is not speaking out, if the public is not demanding accountability, if there's no fear of the ordinary Ghanaian to keep stealing from them, this would continue. If, if we rely on the law, the law will not solve this for us because those who are supposed to enforce the law are part of the problem. So the ordinary Ghanaian should sit up. If, 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 if you are there and you are expecting that the system will change on its own, forget it. We'll be here the next 20 years and they'll keep stealing. Right. So we need people to rise up, the youth especially. This is your country. They are stealing your future. They are bending it right in front of you. People are converting your future to Toyota Land Cruises <laughs> and they are driving it around. Right. So let, 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 okay, you look. Speak up. Right. Uh, Samuel, what do you think we can do to end these issues? Okay, so I wanted to advance on the argument made by uh, Ni earlier on the leadership, on mm. the failure of leadership in our state institution. Because for me, I, I think it is twofold. It's the management and the individual lecturers. Because mind you, most of these individual lecturers, they attended schools abroad and they know the standard there. But when they come down here, most of them, they, they, they completely disregard these things. And it is evident in our rankings globally. You see that we don't, we don't get anywhere mm. as time goes on. So for me, the individual lecturers... And then the management should make sure that everything is, is working properly. Right. Nia Iopari, what are your views? In 30 seconds, what you think we can do to try and fix some of these issues and put the country on, a, on some better pedestal? Nia, are you with us? Abreja. Okay, Nia, are you? Yes. Okay, so yes. Um, in my, my earlier point, my last point I was making, I was talking about leadership. And my, my call is to the youth of Ghana. If you look at the statistics that came from the 2020 elections, it says that 75% of the people who voted were the youth. So if we decide who becomes the leader of the government administration at any point in time, then it's up to us to be vigilant and make sure we make the right decisions. These two political parties that have been at the helm of affairs since the beginning of this fourth republic, namely the MPP and the NDC, have proven to a track record of 30 years that they are not capable of giving any hope or solutions to the youth of Ghana. Right. So my appeal to, to, is to the youth of Ghana today that we have to start taking a rightful place in the, in the affairs of, of national business. Right. So Julio, Julio, Julius is speaking in the same words as Nia Yopari. Nia Yopari, I don't have a lot of, a lot of time. I have to cut you here. Uh, if Ope, oh, okay, I think I've lost Ope. Let me give the last word to the only lady we had on the panel today. Abnecha, in 30 seconds, what you think we can do to fix some of these issues? I think a good start will be to righten the wrongs that we've seen. We saw that there were issues with taxation of oil marketing companies. The GRA can take the initial step to correct these wrongs. We've seen issues about non-compliance with laydown procedure in terms of sale of cars, in terms of um, accreditation, etc. Rather than aiming so high, let's start with writing these particular wrongs that we have identified and then we can continue the conversation from there right thank you thank you so much for joining us all of you julius kwame antonia former general secretary of the national union of ghana students me ayi opari spokesperson for the economic fighters league abna echa is an activist a law student samuel akpabli is a medical laboratory science student and we're expecting Franklin Kujo of Imani, but he could not join us. Listen, this conversation will continue in your own homes, in your cars, and in your offices. Will we ever win this fight against graft?
the kind of irregularities and rot we see in the Auditor General's report year after year. My own name is Kweku Asante. The lads are up next with the locker room. After this. If seeing is believing, believing is magic. Coca-Cola is bringing FIFA World Cup trophy to Ghana. And you can see it for yourself on the 4th of September at Accra Polo Courts. Experience the joy of the FIFA World Cup trophy first time. Take pictures with the trophy, enjoy amazing music, and win great prizes. Visit coca-cola.com.ca for more information. The FIFA World Cup Trophy Tour 2022 and Coca-Cola Experience. This advert is FDA approved. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Hello and welcome to the Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. I am Rick Wampofo and for the next one hour, we'll have a playback of yesterday's transfer countdown show with the Joy Sports team. Chelsea spent the most in the window, 273.5 million euros as Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang joined on deadline day. Lots of perspective into deals around Europe from guests close to the clubs in question. You would love this, trust me. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. The transfer window has officially closed. Now the 2022 summer transfer window is done. And the Premier League window, to be more specific... Uh, closes and our show here begins tonight. In France, the window closed at 9 p.m. Italy is shut at 6 p.m. And in Germany, the deadline was way earlier at 4 p.m. So it's all over now. And welcome once again to the Transfer Countdown here on the Join News Channel. I remember this is the Global Edition. So many deals done today as expected. And even uh, there are more yet to be done. Yes, I know the window is closed. But if clubs are hoping to complete a sign-in after the deadline, they would need to complete a, sign, a signed a deal sheet. Now, in short, a deal sheet is a form that allows a club to confirm a particular deal that has been reached in order to allow additional time to submit the remaining documentation. Now, clubs around the Premier League, I'm sure, uh, are submitting deal sheets and would have some extra two hours. And so that gives you more reason to stay with us here on the transfer countdown. My name is Aurel Kwampofo, and uh, we'll be doing this for the next one hour, uh, 15 minutes or so. I use the word we uh, because I'll be joined by two amazing guests. In the meantime, if you want to also join us at home, you can use the hashtag Joy Deadline Day. We'll be back right after this break. is bringing FIFA World Cup trophy to Ghana. And you can see it for yourself on the 4th of September at Accra Polo Courts. Experience the joy of the FIFA World Cup trophy first time. Take pictures with the trophy, enjoy amazing music, and win great prizes. 
visit coca-cola.com.ga for more information. The FIFA World Cup Trophy Tour 2022 and Coca-Cola Experience. This advert is FDA approved. Transfer countdown right here on the Joy News Channel. Uh, we're about to head straight into business. And as I said before we went on a break, I wouldn't be doing this alone. I'll be joined by two very amazing gentlemen. And because we're on the theme of transfers, let me start with our latest signing, Fentu Tahiru. Fentu. If you're at home, you can give a loud round of applause. <laughs> oh, you uh, man. I'm good. Now I'm this good. time you decide this. Ah, 360. <laughs> we'll I talk about a, I him. I need a ball. I need a ball. We'll talk about him. Yeah, we'll about talk him. about how he... I'm good. I'm good. Looking that power. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot to talk yes. about from your end. Yeah, your team is doing amazing things. Mm. They said they're signing all kinds of players. Well, we'll get to that, but let me start with your personal uh, perspective. Uh, your highlight of the transfer window. Ooh, highlight. That would be difficult, but I think Barcelona. <laughs> oh, um... It's hard to pick one transfer, but I think the way Barcelona really moved this transfer window, it's crazy. I didn't think that it was possible, given their financial situation. But they have found a way to really push through transfers that we thought were unimaginable. And they've held on to some vital prospects as well. I didn't think that, uh, for example, they could afford to keep certain players, but they did. And the way they pulled it off... I. I it's really been impressive. So for me, I think Barcelona have won the transfer window, no doubt. Mm. I'm sure that's very debatable. And uh, my next guest, we'll hear from him whether it's also FC Barcelona who really stole the show for them, uh, for him uh, in this transfer. And Sitchofe, uh, Philip Atrim uh, joins us here on the Joy News. Is, is this your debut? Yeah. It, is, it is my debut. Ah, okay. So I'll be given a game, a game by numbers. Okay. Uh, for, for your for your debut after <laughs> we get to that, uh, no pressure, no, no pressure. Absolutely, uh, not. I'm, in good, I'm in good company. Ah, yeah. <laughs> your thoughts on the transfer window? What's been your major highlight? The major highlight has got to be Fentier to multimedia. <laughs> wow, wow, <laughs> I love that. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's for me. It's got to be Erling Haaland moving to Manchester City. Yeah. Several clubs wanted him, and when he got to Man City, the the thinking was, how is it going to fit into Pep Guardiola's team that has been hugely successful in England without necessarily playing a striker? Now he gets into the side and straight away he's just delivering the, the goods for them. So I just think, when you look at the way he's going and the way Man City plays and the quality he's got in behind him, you're just wondering how many more goals can he get before the season ends? And I think that is that one player that any team in the world would have loved to have. And City have got him and is delivering straight away. So he's been my highlight so far. Mm. Well, nine goals in five uh, games for Ellen Haaland so far. Uh, but he was a deal that was done all the way uh, at the beginning of the transfer window. In fact, before the window officially opened. Uh, but let's remind ourselves of some of the deals that took place today. Because as you know, clubs magically find funds and all the resources to sign players in just a few hours on deadline day. So let's take a look at the slides to remind ourselves of activity. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.